It's time for part two with the Arizona Cardinals, this time with Kyler Murray. Keys to victory. How do the 49ers beat those cards? And Cam Newton's comments about a certain game-managing quarterback in San Francisco. All that and more coming up on this edition of Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us. Actually, it's Crocky 209 now on the socials. So, uh, yeah, a little change up there from Croc, who's back in California. Uh, thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shout out to all the everydayers subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. Today's episode of... Lockdown 49ers is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Here we go. Uh, we got to start with Cam's comments, I think, Croc, because um, when, you know, when a certain analyst, you know, writer somewhere, says Brock Purdy's getting too much help. He, he shouldn't be an MVP candidate. He's the 20th best quarterback in the league. You know, whatever it is that, that might get fans riled up with Brock Purdy disrespect, hearing a former MVP quarterback talk about Brock Purdy and who's a game manager and who's a game changer in the NFL. I think a lot of people are coming at Cam Newton a little bit sideways right now. Cam Newton uh, with a new, I think it's his own, is it his own podcast? I'm not even sure what it's on. I'm not, I didn't listen to the whole podcast. I just heard his comments about game managers and uh, it got some 49ers fans ticked off. Like 49ers fans right now are really rallying around Brock Purdy and the, the idea that he's playing at an MVP level and they're taking on people that they deem as haters of Brock Purdy. I think game manager is a compliment personally, even though it's not usually meant as a compliment, because if you're not a game manager, you're not a good NFL quarterback, Crock. No, I believe so too. And they are rallying around Brock Purdy like they rallied around another quarterback in 49ers uh, recent memory. All right, we're more on him in a minute. But right now we're going to keep it on Brock Cam Newton. Uh, it is interesting. You hear somebody's perspective. And I, I do want to start with this because you, you talked about him being a former MVP. I've seen all the comments. I've seen a lot of people, uh, you know, mentioning me on Instagram. Most 49er fans, at least from what I'm seeing, do not view Cam Newton as former MVP Cam Newton. They view him more as a salty guy who got banged up, is not in the NFL any longer, and couldn't hack it. And maybe if he was a game manager, he would win a Super Bowl. So uh, definitely differing opinions of Cam Newton, what he is. I will say this from Cam's perspective. We are talking about someone who is a blue chipper. We are talking about somebody who um, was at Florida, transferred to Blinn University or Blinn uh, Junior College, won a national title, junior college title with Blinn, went to Auburn, had no help. Nobody else on that team caught an NFL pass. All right. I think Michael Dyer might have been like his best player on offense. And y'all probably have no idea who the hell Michael Dyer is. I only know because I lived in Arkansas at the time and he was from Little Rock. All right. But yeah, Michael Dyer. They, he carried them to a national title, drafting them one overall, broke the record for passing for a rookie in the NFL, right? And then we saw what he did some years, ups and downs, not in the super efficient, but he was super dangerous. And in my opinion, he was a really dangerous quarterback. So his view of it, of a quarterback that has elite traits or, uh, you know, is a game changer, as he likes to say, someone who 
could do what he did, which was change games, change, you know, regardless of who was around him, regardless of if he has thrown the Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches. It's like, we're going to go 15 and one this year and go to a Super Bowl. When he looks at some of these other guys like a Brock, who just does not look like him, he just comes off as him viewing him a different way as someone who is a lesser talent that isn't the blue chip type prospect as him. And I think that's where his opinion of it gets a little skewed. At least that's how I hear it. Well, I was kind of surprised because Cam Newton and Brock Purdy have one huge thing in, in common, and that's that they've both only played one good full season in the NFL. So I'm surprised that Cam didn't really, you know, embrace Brock Purdy and his ability. No, uh, <laughs> my take on Cam's comments is, first of all, they don't matter at all. Um, and, and, and second of all, when it comes to like, just because you played, like, you don't have to diminish what Cam did as a player either. Like Cam was a freak. He was six, five, two fifty, but six, five, two fifty doesn't matter in the realm that we're at right now. Croc podcasting, doing broadcasting, doing TV, doing radio, six, five, two fifty doesn't matter anymore. Right. Um, you're, you're a broadcast broadcasters broadcast, right? Uh, players play coaches, coach scout, scout. Sometimes people are talented and, and they're really good at multiple things. Just because Cam Newton was an NFL player doesn't make him a, a great analyst of quarterbacks. There's, there's tons of NFL coaches, tons of um, you know ex-players that weren't very good that maybe didn't even make it to the NFL or maybe only played a little bit in the NFL or you know the Greg Cosells that, that didn't sniff an NFL field that are amazing analysts of quarterbacks or of the entire league, you know? So um, Cam Newton's a, a famous name. And so it's going to cause waves when he speaks. But I mean, I, I don't care what Cam Newton has to say about, about anything really, because I don't know how good of an analyst he is of quarterbacks. So it's like, you know, say what you want, Cam Newton, but you weren't like the model of, um, of consistency and of like, surgical quarterback play in the NFL anyway. So if you're trying to prop, if you're trying to, if, if you're saying that Cam Newton's, if what Cam Newton says about quarterbacks means more than what uh, a person who didn't play in the NFL says about quarterbacks, then uh, I have a big problem with that because you're just because you played doesn't make you a good analyst. In fact, one of the worst broadcasters I ever heard in my life, Croc is the guy who is the all time leading rusher in NFL history. So uh, yeah, dude, Go 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 off, Cam. You know, do your thing. Get your podcast going. Um, I think we should talk more about the outfit he was wearing. To be honest with you. All right. So real quick <laughs> about like just opinions and, and and things like that. I think when it comes to the, these guys, I think sometimes because we do hear so much clickbaity stuff or like hot takey type stuff, it comes off as oh he's doing it for clicks. You know, I see that in the chat right now. I don't think he was doing it for clicks. I think he was talking, and this is something that he'll probably get used to and start to understand. And I think even. You and I, we, there's some things that we say off air that maybe we won't quite say on the podcast. We try to say most things, but you know, maybe we word it different. Yeah, exactly. When you're talking to your bros, you say things kind of like in the in the context of how, like or kind of how he said it. And you're not thinking about it being a hot take. You're just thinking about it being a conversation between you and your bro or your friends. And I think he's talking into a mic as if he's just talking to his homies not knowing how these thousands of people are going to hear it, how they're going to interpret it, and then how they're going to respond. And I think he knows now, and you definitely don't mess with the 49er fan base, yep. but he was having a conversation with someone not knowing that you can't just have 
a conversation on the on the web unless you you should expect something back like the response he has. But I will say this: nobody is saying anything. You haven't even heard it, right? Most people haven't heard it or anything. His clip when he was talking about CMC, right? He's just like, man, I, CMC has been amazing. They didn't know how to utilize him. You know, I you know he was like, I would give suggestions, blah blah. blah. They didn't know how to use a star running back. See what San Francisco is doing with him and the way they're utilizing him, like. He is a star. He's a one of a kind. He's rare. So I bet most people say, oh, yeah, he can evaluate running back. He can't talk about quarterbacks, but he can talk about running back. And that just comes from just having an opinion that might differ from others. Yeah. And uh, and really with both of those takes, I would say they're kind of lazy takes. They're they're 101 takes. It's like, where where were you talking about Christian McCaffrey not being used right before he started getting used right in San Francisco, where was that evaluation? Do you know what I mean? Uh, we everyone knows how good Chris McCaffrey's playing right now, and, and that Kyle Shanahan's utilizing better. Like everybody knows that. And when it comes to the the quarterback take and the game manager thing, we've been hearing that for forever. Like that is a lazy take. That is just like get out of here with that. Come with something stronger, Cam. You got to come stronger. How about his fit though? I, I think I'm gonna say I, I'm in the minority. I think his fit is strong, and I much more appreciate the way cam newton dresses because it's different than everybody else and he doesn't care what people thinks about it and you could it's super easy to just wear the most trendy thing out there right that just makes you a a follower and a dork and a poser to be honest with you right if you're just wearing whatever the coolest hippest thing is right now and i got it on and i'm looking fly right that's lame Cam's doing his own thing. Maybe in 10 years, everyone's dressing like Cam Newton was in that podcast. Uh, doubtful, but I actually I actually like what, what Cam was rocking. Like, I like when Cam wears all the weird stuff. Yeah, I have a, a brother of mine, my best friend. He can kind of dress what, to me, is different than how I would typically dress. But one thing I have learned, I'm not this, like, fashion-forward type person. It takes a lot of confidence to wear certain things that are a little bit out of, you know, what your comfort zone is. I think Cam Newton is fine in that element, and especially with fashion. You don't hear me giving fashion tips on how people dress or how their style because I, I know that it's it's a whole different world. Like, the fashion world is drastically different than the everyday Eric Crocker hoodie and jogger sweatpants. Yeah, world. it's just like with, with food or with music, you know, if you're really into it and you really care about it, you're about it, and you might be somewhere way beyond where someone else is who really doesn't care about those types of things. And uh, I think that's where Cam is with the fashion. So um, I, I like it on him. Like, on him, and then I know people, the jokes and stuff like that, I would never wear it. You won't see oh, me yeah, in a Cam Newton outfit. But I think for him, just knowing like he has his style and his things and how he puts it on and he's confident with wearing it like that. I I wish I had the confidence to not wear that, but to step out of my comfort zone a little bit more. And that's Cam's, if, when, when Cam's football analysis gets as um gets as deep as his fashion sense, right? And gets as advanced as his fashion sense, then we might be on to something. So We'll see. We'll check in on Cam at a later date and see if his takes uh, get less lazy. Next, let's talk injury report. What the 49ers have to do to beat those Arizona Cardinals. And since we're talking about quarterbacks, Croc, uh, I think, needs to uh, needs to speak on something as well about a certain ex-49ers quarterback. Next. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to be sure that you have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and 
for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board either. It's a vast network, more than a, we're talking a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours with LinkedIn jobs. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. A lot of people go into bat for Brock Purdy as they should. I think Brock Purdy is right there. I think it's neck and neck with Cam Newton. We can uh, we can debate it all we want. Uh, we can uh, we can talk about who's a game manager, who's not. We can talk about the stats here, the stats there, how Cam Newton's played the worst defenses of uh, all 32 teams in the NFL so far this season. We can we can talk about all Dak those. Prescott. Yeah, Dak Prescott. Yeah. Um, that what I say? I think you said Cam Newton. I oh, think. Cam Newton thing, yeah. Uh, Dak Prescott. By the way, Dak Prescott put – or Cam Newton, sorry, put Dak Prescott in the game manager's category on the podcast. Then he went on a radio show, I think today or maybe the next day, and took Cam off of the game manager's list that he previously put him on Dak. left everybody else on it. Dak, yeah. Cam took Dak off the, off the game manager's list. So Dak, not a game manager anymore, according to Cam Newton, but everybody else that was on it, Stayed on the game manager's list. So there we go. Jared Goff and Brock Purdy, like those were the other guys. Yeah. Which I don't even think Jared Goff is a game manager either. Like you, you watch him. I, I think we have to, like, what is a game manager? Is it, it because it is a slight. I saw uh, Daniel Vlowski and he was talking about how, like, when did this, when it was the bad thing to be a game manager? I'm like, uh, where have you been? Because people have been saying that for a long time. Like when you get that game manager tag is like not like this great thing, even though it is a good thing. You're able to manage these games. I think uh, Alex Smith was probably like the ultimate game manager. Right. And I don't think that Jared Goff or Brock Purdy is that. Uh, I did ask my guy, Will Blackman, like what his thoughts were. And, and what the, the conclusion I came to hearing his response to what a game manager is, is, Brock Purdy is in a game manager situation, but has the ability to be more than like plays at a higher level than a game manager. If that makes sense. It basically was a guy who, Hey, you have everything great around you. You have all, you have a terrific situation. Just don't go out and lose the game. So not only does Brock not go out and lose the game, he adds value to whatever your offense is doing. So I would assume that took him out of the game manager uh, uh, area, in, in my opinion. And I mean, yeah, when people say game manager, basically they mean you're only a game manager and that's it. But if you go walk through the Hall of Fame, every single quarterback that's in there is a game manager. Right. Especially but, uh, like, uh, was Nick, uh, uh, Troy Aikman. Yeah, my well, he didn't even manage player. the game that well. He threw the ball to the other team as much as he threw it to his own team. So, Worst Hall of Fame uh, quarterback ever? <laughs> is your brother around? He's not around right now. Oh, you okay. He might okay. agree with me even on that. <laughs> um, Haywire in the chat says Croc that I want to see Crocker in a slick suit one day. Are you gonna are you gonna go through the 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 wedding thing? We'll see. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. We're working on it. All right, we'll get we'll get photos of Croc in a suit one of these days. Um people hating on Jimmy G. Jimmy is kind of irrelevant to what's going on with the 49ers right now. So I didn't really want to bring it up on the podcast, but it's been something that kind of like made my blood boil a little bit. You and I, during the Jimmy G era, were two guys who, you know, play on both sides of the fence, not play on both sides of the fence, but be like very understanding of what Jimmy was and what he wasn't. And mm -hmm. even with us giving like that type of 
opinion on him, which was like, man, good quarterback. We nicknamed him Jimmy W and all these things. Uh, we got labeled haters a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo. But now, the further we get away from Jimmy being on this team, the more I'm seeing, and once you see it like enough, it's like, okay, this is getting ridiculous to where Eric Crocker got to come out and defend you. He is now, according to 49er fans, like the worst quarterback ever. He was terrible. Uh, he basically could do no good. Uh, I just saw a, a tweet, and, and this is not dogging these guys, but it's like, oh, after the ACL, he just wasn't good. And I'm like, what? what? Like, we, he wasn't good after the ACL? He we, didn't have confidence after the ACL? We did talk about this. Uh, I, I went back and watched pre-injury Jimmy G at the end of 2017. He, he, was, he was moving differently. And then you watch later Jimmy G after the, the multiple injuries, it hampered him a little bit. It didn't change who he was as a quarterback, but I think waist down, like his legs, they just weren't under him like they were earlier on in his career. I think that's fair. It didn't, it didn't fundamentally change who he was as a quarterback, though. The way the 49er fan base has flipped on Jimmy Garoppolo has gotten to a point where I feel the need, like, I feel bad for Jimmy. Like, you guys were all on board with this guy. I mean, it was, and people, the same things they're saying about Brock right now, people said those things about Jimmy. And the fan base came out with the tiki torches and, well, we're going to ride for Jimmy G. How is he just this uh, game manager? How is he this bad quarterback? When, look at his record. Like, we'll look at Kyle's record with Jimmy. Look at Kyle's record without Jimmy. Uh, look at uh, completion percentage, top of the league. Look at him throwing to these areas, top of the league. He did so much good. And the whole time we were like, eh, he's kind of not that good. I mean, like he's cool, but you know, he has these weapons. It really helps. W what is his weapons? He still has to make these throws and he still has to be efficient. And he did have some big games. And this is the part where I think people are kind of, I watched him against, you know, like the Arizona's and we watched the Saints game and we watched him throw for 400 and some yards, four touchdowns and game winning drives. So, I'm not saying this guy was amazing, but I do think that there is a lot of the 49 fans, especially looking at my comments, because I said something today and I'm like, we got to start, we got to have a conversation. And 100% of the comments were basically saying, oh no, we always knew he wasn't that good. And it's like, that is not the response that Peacock and I were getting on an everyday basis or anytime we had any type of uh, constructive criticism about a Jimmy Garoppolo game. So I just kind of want to address that because I feel like he's, being unfairly treated enough for me to have to say like, whoa, whoa, whoa. why, how, how this sudden just big time flip on Garoppolo, a guy who I felt like did a lot of really good for the Niner game. Yeah. Uh, revisionist history there for sure. And uh, it's funny because a lot of the arguments for how good Brock Purdy is, as you mentioned, the people would use those same arguments for Jimmy Garoppolo. And remember we talked about the graphs, how, how Brock Purdy's always by himself in, in a corner of one of those graphs that the analytics dudes always put out and, and there were the, there were the similar, similar ones with Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo was always really good in the EPA, which is why when I see EPA referenced, I, I don't want to put that as much on quarterback. That's kind of an offense stat. And, you know, obviously um, Kyle Shanahan's a big part of that as well. And Jimmy Garoppolo would always be really good in those things. But now Brock Purdy's like in another level of by himself when you look at, at those graphs. So Jimmy G got helped out a lot with, with Kyle Shanahan and the offense and the weapons that were around him. And so does Brock Purdy, but you can just see it. And we saw it with CJ Beathard and Brian Hoyer to, to Jimmy Garoppolo. It was a huge step. And that's how, that's why everyone got so excited about Jimmy G. He's like, man, this is different. And then now you see it with Brock Purdy and now it's different, different. And it's like, oh, this is another level. We're seeing more like what we saw with Matt Ryan's 
2016 Atlanta Falcons offense under Kyle Shanahan. That's what Brock Purdy is doing right now. And so, uh, and I, I, would say this, I would say this. If you put Josh Allen in this offense, you would see another, another level. And that's what, like, I don't even think 49er fans are looking because we do see Brock and how well he's doing. Put Josh Allen in his, we can't do it. You know what I'm saying? So it's a silly hypothetical. Put him in his offense and you'll see an even different level that you didn't even think was possible with this offense. And, and I think that's the part people are like missing out on. Oh, that's a, okay. I want to follow that up. Let's put a pin in that one for another day because uh, I think we can go a lot of different directions with that type of a conversation. Um, Next, Croc, I want to check out the injury report from practice uh, Thursday afternoon. Who's in? Who's looking like they might be out against the Arizona Cardinals? And, and really the things they have to do, I think it's it's very simple for the keys to victory this week against Kyler Murray and those Arizona Cardinals. Next. Today's episode of Locked on 49ers is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Whether or not your family gives gifts during the holidays, you get to define how you give to yourself. Some families give a lot of gifts. Some families donate time. Some families donate money. Some families don't celebrate at all during the holidays. But whatever your family does, make sure you give a little time for yourself. The holidays is a great time to do that. So whether it's by starting therapy, going easier on yourself during tough moments, or treating yourself to a day of complete rest, remember to give yourself some love this holiday Season. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and give yourself the gift of BetterHelp. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. In the season of giving, give a gift of what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash on today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash on. Okay, we got to go through the injury report here really quick because the 49ers are getting a little bit banged up at this portion of the season, Croc. And we already know that uh, guys like Eric Armstead uh, would probably be out a couple of weeks. He's not practicing yet as of Thursday, so not looking good for him. But neither was his mate inside on the defensive line, Javon Hargrave, who popped up on the injury report after the Seattle game. Uh, Dre Greenlaw, no practice for him on Thursday, according to Matt Barrows. Elijah Mitchell out in... Well, he was in and then out again, I believe, is what happened with Elijah Mitchell this week. Uh, Oren Burks as well. So the backup to Greenlaw is not in there as well at practice. And then tight end Ross Dwelly. Charverius Ward getting some work on a side field. Ambry Thomas and Spencer Burford were back at practice for the 49ers. So um, T.Y. McGill might get the call up from the practice squad because the 49ers are getting a little bit thin on the interior of that defensive line. Definitely. I think that's the biggest thing, right? You're, you're going through these times, and luckily for the 49ers, uh, you got your big dogs there. You know, you look on defense, you got the Nick Boses, still got Chase Young out there. You got, you know, Armstead missing. That's kind of a big one. But then having the linebackers and and the secondary guys, you got to hope that Mooney uh, comes back. I, I don't, especially this early in the week. I mean, I know it's Thursday. If they don't participate tomorrow, then you might hear Eric Crocker sound the alarm a little bit. But I think right now it's just, okay, it's late in the year. Uh, maybe it's just precaution to make sure that whatever is ailing them, they'll be ready by game time. But it, it is a little worrisome to have these guys out, especially on the offensive line. I think that's, for me, an area that hasn't been the strongest. But, uh, you know, you you keep having to kind of replace guys or, and have some turnover there, especially in the interior of that offensive line. I think that's where the issues can come. Uh, uh, so... Javon, Javon Akinlaw has 
played some of his best ball recently, but I don't think the 49ers want to play him a million snaps either. So um, I, I think that's where you start to run into some problems because Givens is there. You bring up T.Y. McGill. I think you might have to use some uh, – get creative there on the defensive line if you're going to be missing both Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave. But um, after Hargrave went out last week, the, the 49ers were still okay inside. And so, um, you know, this is an opponent that I think you should be able to get away with that I'd rather, let's put it this way, against the Cardinals and against Kyler Murray, I'd rather have a weakness on the interior than the edge guys. Do you agree with that? Uh, no, because I think most quarterbacks feel the most uncomfortable with that pressure right in their face. So I, I think, I mean, yeah, first of all, you want all the guys out there. But if I had to choose, give me one good edge rusher and can I get one really good interior guy as opposed to missing two interior guys? Because that's the, the the pressure right in the quarterback's face. And, and I watch a lot of J.T. Sullivan breakdowns. Mm-hmm. He has talked a lot about color flashing and how sometimes you'll see a quarterback drop his eyes because he kind of sees that color flash in front of his face. Like that's where they, they get surprised by the guys on the edge and they kind of just seal the deal, finish the playoff. But then those QB off. For a 5'10 quarterback to see, too. So the in- interior becomes pretty important there. So, And then Drake Greenlaw for chasing him around if he does get out of the pocket. So, But the reason I said edge guys just that contain and, and trying to keep him in the pocket is pretty key against a guy like Kyler Murray. And that's going to be one of the uh, one of the factors, I think, in our keys to victory, right? Keep him in the pocket. Don't let him run around and and tur- and you know have one of those crazy plays where he's, he just keeps it alive for 10 seconds and eventually scrambles for the, you know, the back-breaking first down conversion on a, on a third and long, or, you know, eventually finally finds a wide receiver that breaks open. Cause he's running around out there and, and, uh, and creating a play that way. So um, I think that's obviously got to be key one against a Kyler Murray led football team. And especially this Arizona Cardinals team where you have the talent advantage overall. <laughs> this is funny right here. Shout out to Haywire here for the comment. Kind of made me giggle a little bit. He says, if Kyler, cause I just talked about how, you know, color flashing, you drop your eyes. He says, if Kyler drops his eyes, he's looking at grass. <laughs> like, oh, green's flashing. Are we playing the Eagles this week? What's going on? I wonder if for Kyler, the short jokes might get old, but they never get old for me. When I see, like, you know, a picture of, like, there's probably going to be one after this game of Brock Purdy, like, holding Kyler like he's a baby. Like, those things just always make me laugh. And it's funny because Kyler, I mean, uh, Brock Purdy's not the biggest guy and he's, you know, undersized as far as NFL quarterbacks go. And he's, what, three inches taller than than Kyler Murray. I want to see them stand next to each other because for once, Brock Purdy will look like a, a big, a big in stature NFL quarterback next to Kyler Murray. I'm, I'm really interested to see what that team looks like, because I, I think it's a really serious question for the Arizona Cardinals. Do you draft the quarterback if you got a top two, three pick? Do you do you keep Kyler Murray? Uh, I just want to see what he looks like. because I've been so long since I've really watched a lot of Kyler Murray. I've seen a little bit of him since he's been back, obviously, this season. But it's been a long time. And by the way, is this the first time Brock Purdy is playing in his home state of Arizona in the NFL? Did he play against? Did he play at the Cardinals last year? I don't think he did. Yeah, I don't think so. That's going to be pretty cool. Mr. He was the, the, the like the whatever the Mr. Football or whatever the best like football player in the state of Arizona. Mm-hmm. He was that. Yeah, but I mean, he got an offer from Arizona University, of Arizona, or Arizona State. He should have been thrown to Brandon Ayuk in college. Instead, it was the Heisman Trophy winner, Jaden Daniels. I know that ended up leaving, and his player said he sucks anyways. Get him out of here. Then oh, he's Heisman now. Dude, I remember when uh, when Ayuk was there, and the, there was the, yeah that young quarterback, and they're like, "This is the next big thing. He's awesome." And then he disappeared, and I didn't even realize that the Jaden Daniels at LSU was the same guy who was that quarterback when he was a big time like freshman. Uh, 
five years ago. He's been in college for six years, like five years ago at Arizona State. Yeah, I, well, I remember you know going to his high school state championship game in, at Sac State because mm-hmm. he's from San Bernardino, California. And my bro Donald, he has a cousin that uh, plays on that played on that team as well. So it was cool watching him in college. I mean, high school. Then you see him, uh, you know, at the college level, and and you watch him with IU. And I watched a lot of film, and I just remember thinking, like, man, if he just had a little bit more of a veteran type quarterback, there maybe would have been a little bit more consistency with, with Ayuk. Uh, and then he left and I thought each year he got better at LSU. So that was, that was pretty fun to watch, especially this past season. Shout out to the California quarterbacks, man. California, it, it, look, we might not have the big guys in the interior all the time, but California definitely uh, is really good for producing legit quarterbacks and really some of the best quarterbacks ever. So shout out to Cali. Brock Purdy, uh, one more note on him really quick, because there was something I heard with, uh, and I love listening to Greg Crisell of NFL Films, and he was on local radio flagship station, KMBR, for the 49ers here in San Francisco with, uh, with Tolbert and Copes. And they brought up a uh, a really good point, talking about Brock Purdy and, and why he's such a great fit with Kyle Shanahan. Because we always talk about how Kyle Shanahan thinks about the defense. Like, he's going up against the defense. He's not necessarily creating an offense for his offense, and he is, but he's trying to beat the defense. And I think that's the way that Brock Purdy sees the field. And I think that's why he's such a good fit for Kyle Shanahan, because you think about that throw Debo Samuel is the example, that long Debo throw and the play is designed to go to the hook on the left side to Juwan Jennings. But Brock Purdy is watching the defense and he's reading the defense. He's not reading his guys. He sees that Jamal Adams is in a place where Debo is going to get behind him. And then that's the best play. And that's the where to, to make this throw. Most quarterbacks would be looking at the safety to make sure he's not jumping the first read. Brock Purdy reads the defense in how can we beat this defense? And that's a lot of how Kyle Shanahan sees the game as well, I think. And so I thought that was a great point by Greg Cosell and uh, and Tolbert and the, and the boys on the radio. So I just wanted to bring that up. Benjamin Solak had this terrific breakdown as well where he kind of showed the uh, progressions of the play where it's kind of designed to go to this guy, but he had like uh, kind of four guys in a route and you see kind of how certain things were taken away and even where it was kind of designed to go, designed for the linebacker to be up a little bit to kind of jump this little short route and then you get to hit Ayuk behind and if not, you can take your eyes to Kittle who's running a post, but that was tightly covered. Then he gets back to Debo and I mean, he did it so quick. So when people talk about elite processor, at least that's what it looks like to me too when I'm watching Brock Purdy, but you see these kind of all 22 views of it and how quickly he gets to the answer in a defense. It was fast. And then not only was it a, I mean, the ball only traveled like two, three yards in the air. And that's when people might be like, dink and dunk. But how he, how quickly he got to that answer, put the ball in the hands of his playmaker. And guess what? Debo goes for an extra 30 yards. And I think sometimes when you think of yards after catch it feels like oh man the, the just the the athletes are doing all the heavy lifting but for a quarterback to put this guy in a position to where you can catch and run and not take a sec or not throw an incompletion which most of these games i'm seeing a lot of bad quarterbacking around the league uh, i think that should make you appreciate what brock Purdy does a little bit more i love ben Solak stuff uh former host right here on the lockdown podcast network really smart dude he does great stuff and uh his his kind of point in that was how much help he's getting from Debo Samuel on a two-yard yard, two yard pass that gets 30 yards. But I, I agree with you, Croc. The thing that he kind of missed in that rhythm. I didn't want to bring that up. <laughs> but the thing, you're right, Croc. The thing that that, that 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 a lot of folks just neglect to see is how often Brock Purdy and how quickly he's reading the defense and going away from 
the first, second read that's not the right read and getting to the right read so his guys can go make plays. How many quarterbacks would just not never find Debo so it would be a zero-yard pass? Instead, Brock Purdy found him, and he made the right read, and he threw it in a way that uh, that that Debo Samuel could get a bunch of yards after the catch. And by the way, Brock Purdy's not the only guy that benefits from a ton of yards after the catch, and he's right in line with other past MVPs in that regard anyway. So there you go. Don't get hurt. Uh, I saw in the chat earlier, the, the talking about some of the injuries the 49ers are dealing with. They're not major injuries, hoping to have everybody back, right, and rested up for the big game Christmas against the, uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. So that's huge. So don't get hurt more and get everybody back and healthy for a really big matchup next week. But you can't out overlook the Arizona Cardinals and turn this into a trap game either, Croc, right? So play smart. I mean, fumbles, penalties. You, you can't lose those penalties. You can't get can't get penalized a ton. You can't lose the turnover battle. You can't do dumb things that would lose you a game rather than getting beat by the other team. Is it, are we doing keys to victory, or do we just think that? Okay. That was it for me. I'm done with it. Okay. Uh, Kyler Murray, contain, keep him in the pocket, and don't screw it up. James Conner, make sure you tackle James Conner because uh, mm. we've seen when the 49ers were tackling bad at one point. Now we're talking about a couple years ago, but he just destroyed the 49ers. And he's a, a, a dynamic back, not dynamic in the sense of just really quick, shifty guy in the open field, but just, you know, dual threat. Like he's going to catch the ball in space, make guys miss. He'll run through arm tackles, uh, you know, catching the ball, running the ball. He's a guy that can, I don't want to say take over a game, but he can put together a really good game that can make it more challenging for the defense. He did it last week. You don't want him to do it this week. So uh, you talked about containing uh, Kyler Murray. I say, got to really contain James Conner. And if you could do that and make the receivers have to beat you, I think that really improves 49ers' chances of covering the spread. <laughs> a lot going to be on the shoulders of 54. Fred Warner is going to have to have a good game. If there's no Dre Greenlaw, no starting defensive tackles in front of you, and James Conner, right? And they're going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to utilize that. So if you're talking about the interior, that's where you're you're starting to get a little worried about this, this game and, and that matchup against uh, the, the Cardinals running game. And they do have a pretty good offensive line, the Arizona Cardinals do, so... It's one of the strengths, one of the few strengths they have as a football team. All right. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Can't wait for this one. And, of course, Croc and I will be back post game to break it all down right here. Locked On 49ers.